الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن the explanation of the kitab al-qawaid al-arba' written by Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab رحمه الله رحمة واسعة We have taken the first two qa'idah and now inshallah ta'ala today we're going to take the last two qa'idah bi'idhnillahi al-kareem and this will be our last and final class bi'idhnillahi al-kareem The author rahimahu Allah he goes into the third qa'idah al-qa'idah al-thalitha third qa'idah al-qa'idah al-thalitha and he says anna an-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dhahara ala unasin mutafarriqin fi ibadatihim minhum man ya'budu ash-shamsa wal qamara wa minhum man ya'budu al-malaika wa minhum man ya'budu al-anbiya' wa as-salihin ومنهم من يعبد الأشجار والأحجار وقاتلهم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ولم يفرق بينهم والدليل قوله تعالى فقاتلوهم حتى لا تكون فتنة ويكون الدين كله لله فدليل الشمس والقمر قوله تعالى ومن آياته الليل والنهار والشمس والقمر لا تسجدوا للشمس ولا للقمر واسجدوا لله الذي خلقهن إن كنتم إياه تعبدون ودليل الملائكة قوله تعالى ويوم يحشرهم جميعا ثم يقول للملائكة أهؤلاء إياكم كانوا يعبدون قالوا سبحانك ما ما كان ولي قالوا سبحانك أنت ولينا من دونهم بل كانوا يعبدون الجن أكثرهم بهم مؤمنون ودليل الأنبياء قوله تعالى وإذ قال الله يا عيسى بن مريم أأنت قلت للناس اتخذوني وأمي إلهين من دون الله قالوا سبحانك ما يكون لي أن أقول ما ليس لي بحق إن كنت إن كنت قلته فقد علمته تعلم ما في نفسي دوث صبت ليس لي بحق دن أوث رحمه الله يسج ودليل الصالحين قوله تعالى قل ادعوا الذين زعمتم من دونه فلا يملكون كشف الضر عنكم ولا تحويلا أولئك الذين يدعون يبتغون إلى ربهم الوسيلة أيهم أقرب ويرجون رحمته ويخافون عذابه إن عذاب ربك كان محذورا ودليل الأشجار والأحجار قوله تعالى أفرأيتم اللات والعزى ومنات الثالثة الأخرى وحديث أبي واقد الليثي رضي الله تعالى عنه قال خرجنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى حنين ونحن حدثاء عهد بكفر وللمشركين سدرة يعكفون عندها وينوطون بها أسلحتهم يقال له ذات أنواط فمرنا بسدرة فقلنا يا رسول الله اجعل لنا ذات أنواط كما لهم ذات أنواط فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله أكبر إنها السنن قلتم والذي, والذي, والذي نفسي بيده كما قالت بنو إسرائيل لموسى اجعل لنا إلها كما لهم آلها ذؤث رحمه الله in the third قاعدة he speaks about here a very important principle and that is the pagans the people who came with shirk what they were doing shirk for what they were doing the shirk was not all the same they were doing shirk in different things some of them were worshipping trees as the Sheikh rahimahullah mentioned and they were worshipping rocks that's what some of them were doing their shirk was different 
And the Shaykh rahimahullah here, he's trying to elaborate on a very important point, which is the differences in what is worshipped does not uplift the fact that it's still shirk. If what someone is worshipping is a tree, and another one is worshipping uh, uh, a prophet or a messenger, yes, w- the thing that's been worshipped here are different. And a prophet is not the same as a tree, without, without a doubt. But the shirk, for whoever it's done, it's still disbelief. And it renders your, relig- your Islam. You are no longer considered to be a Muslim, regardless of what you're worshipping. That's besides the point. And the, the Prophet ﷺ, he fought with the pagans, all of them, without asking each one, where, who are you worshipping? In the battle of Badr, he didn't say to either, not none of them. Or all of the disbelievers he fought with, ﷺ, he never said to them, the ones who are worshipping the idols is the one I want to I fight with. And the ones who are worshipping prophets and righteous people, I don't want to fight with those ones. The messenger, di- messenger didn't. He fought with every single one of them. And that's what the author, rahimahullah, here he's mentioning. He mentions the disbelievers, they came with shirk. And these are the anwa'ul kufr, which the disbelievers came with, Quraysh. The first thing they came with, al-kufru bil-ba'ath. They be disbelieved in the re- resurrection. They, and the Prophet, sallallahu he fought them on that. Qala ta'ala, Allah says, وَقَالُوا مَا هِيَ إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا نَمُوتُ وَنَحْيَا وَمَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرِ وَمَا لَهُمْ بِذَلِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ إِنْهُمْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ So some of them, they rejected the concept of resurrection. Another group of them, they disbelieved the concept of messengers. Allah says, they disbelieved the messengers. Allah Taala mentioned in the Qur'an, لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ مَرْيَمْ Allah Taala He said they are disbelievers, the ones who have said Isa ibn Maryam is uh, Allah Azza wa Jalla. Also, they claim that Allah has a child. Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah says, "لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ مَرْيَمْ لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ ثَالِثُ ثَلَاثَةٍ." The concept of Trinity, Allah Taala refuted that, and He considered that to be kufr. The kufr is anwa' its types. And the Messenger sallallahu fought with all of them, alayhi alayhi. In the first qa'idah, what did we take? In the first qa'idah, what we took is that Tawheed al-Rububiyyah was affirmed by the pagans and disbelievers. So the first qa'idah, what does he answer? The first one is, كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَنَا وَنَحْنُ نُقِرُّ بِتَوْحِيدُ الْرُبُوبِيَةِ That question is answered. How do you label us as disbelievers when we affirm Tawheed al-Rububiyyah? The second question that's also answered here is, كَيْفَ تُقَاتِلُونَنَا Why are you fighting with us? وَنَحْنُ نُقِرُّ بِتَوْحِيدُ الْرُبُوبِيَةِ Whilst we affirm Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Those two questions are now answered by the Shaykh. The Tawheed al-Rububiyyah that they affirmed, it made them the disbelievers. And the Messenger did not consider them to be disbelievers. That was already taken in the first Qa'idah and the second Qa'idah that answered that. Now we're going into the second part, which is the Prophet fought with them, alayhi salatu wasalam, And he fought with them on the grounds of them only affirming Tawheed al-Rububiyyah and not Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa did not in any way, shape or form take into consideration what they were worshipping. He didn't take that into consideration. So for example, some of them were worshipping Asnam idols. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa fought them. 
Some of them were worshipping prophets and righteous people. The Prophet fought with them, alayhi salatu wasalam. Some of them were worshipping trees and uh, rocks and stones. The Prophet ﷺ still fought with them. Some of them were worshipping the sun and the moon. The Prophet fought with them, alayhi salatu wasalam. All of them, he fought with them because they came with shirk, sallallahu alayhi wasalam. Look at the evidence that the Shaykh rahimahullah brought. The Shaykh brought two evidences. The first evidence that he brought is a general evidence that anyone who comes with shirk, the Prophet fought them, alayhi salatu wasalam, unrestrictedly, based on the ayah, وَقَاتِلُوهُمْ Fight with them, Muhammad. Fighting here is all of the disbelievers. Fight with them. حَتَّى لَا تَكُونَ fitna Until there is no fitna. And the fitna here means shirk. وَيَكُونَ الدِّينُ كُلُّهُ لِلَّهِ And the religion is all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what, is, what, is, what this shows is that the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam was instructed to fight with them even though they were still affirming Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. And not all of them were worshipping idols. Some of them were worshipping righteous people. Some of them were going overboard with prophets. That did not save them. That's the first evidence that the Shaykh Rahimullah is putting out there. The second now is that he's going into detailed evidence. The Shaykh is now going into detailed evidence. He's breaking it down, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. So he's going to bring his evidence that some of them worshipped the sun and the moon. He says the evidence for that is وَمِنْ آيَاتِ From the signs of Allah is اللَّيْلُ وَالنَّهَارُ The day and the night. وَالشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ the sun, and the, the, the sun and the moon are also from the signs of Allah. Allah then says, لا تسجدوا, Do not prostrate للشمس for the sun. ولا للقمر, and do not prostrate to the moon. وَاسْجُدُوا لِلَّهِ الَّذِي خَلَقَهُنَّ Prostrate to Allah. يعني worship Allah, the one who created both of them. إِن كُنْتُمْ إِيَاهُ تَعْبُدُونَ Then at the time of the Messenger وسلم, there were those who were worshipping the sun and the moon and they were told not to do that. Until today, till today we have some who worship the sun. And they're called the Ubad shams the worshippers of the sun. Some of them worship angels. And the angels are from the righteous creation of Allah. Allah mentions, وَيَوْمَ the day, نَحْشُرُهُمْ We gather them, جَمِيعًا all of them. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ And then it's said to them by the angels. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels will say. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ They will say to the angels. It will be said, were these the ones that you worshipped? Were you guys worshipping the angels? That's what they will be asked. Allah says, They will say, Exalted you are Allah, you are our ally besides them. But rather, they were worshipping jinn. And majority of them believed in it. Because the angels will never ever command anyone to worship them. As Allah mentioned in the ayah, وَلَا يَأْمُرَكُمْ أَن تَتَّخِذُوا الْمَلَائِكَةَ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ أَرْبَابًا أَيَأْمُرُكُمْ بِالْكُفْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ أَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ The angels will never command people to worship them. They are righteous slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they thought they were worshipping angels when they were in the dunya. That's how the expectation they had. So they were worshipping. But what they really were worshipping was jinns that were playing with their minds. Jinns that were pretending to be the angels. That is what they were worshipping. Some of them were worshipping prophets. And the author, rahimahullah, brought the story of Isa ibn Maryam. وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى بَنَا مَرْيَمَ It will be said to Isa, the day of judgment, أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّيَ إِلَهَيْنِ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Isa alayhi salam, it will be said to him, 
were you the one who told them to worship you and your mother? Did you do that? He will say, Qala subhanak, exalted you are Allah. Qala subhanak, ma yakunu li an aqula ma laysa li bihaq. Oh Allah, you are exalted. And it was not for me to claim that which I had no rights for. So Isa, they took him as an ilah. They worshipped him. Is the angels not a righteous creation of Allah? Of course they are. Is Isa not from the cre- uh, righteous creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He is, without a doubt. With that, it still did not save them from being considered disbelievers. Some of them even worshipped the salihin, the righteous ones. Allah wa ta'ala, he said, Qul say to them, Muhammad, Call on to the ones which you have claimed besides him. Today they are not going to be able to. Today they can't help you and aid you and divert the problems from you. They are the, they are the ones who are mentioned. They call on to and they worship. Seeking a what? A means. إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمُ الْوَسِيلَةَ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ وَيَرْجُونَ رَحْمَتَهُ وَيَخَافُونَ عَذَابَهُ إِنَّ عَذَابَ رَبِّكَ كَانَ مَحَذُورًا So in the right time of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they were what? They were the, those who were calling into, they were calling onto um, righteous people. وَلِذَلِكَ Lat was a righteous man. Lat was a رَجُلٌ صالح, And they used to worship him. He was in Ta'if and they used to worship him. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, أَفَرَأَيْتُمُ اللَّاتَ وَالْعُزَّةِ وَمَنَاتَ الثَّالِثَةَ الْأُخْرَى So Lat was a righteous man in which they used to worship. Some of them worshipped trees and they worshipped stones. As Allah Taala mentioned, Allat وَالْعُزَّةِ were made into stones. And these stones were representations of those righteous people they worshipped. أَفَرَأَيْتُمُ اللَّاتَ وَالْعُزَّةِ Lat وَالْعُزَّةِ were idols that they worshipped. But they represented that righteous man. So whenever a righteous man would die, they would make a statue for him to remember him and worship him. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, وَقَالُوا لَا تَذَرُنَّ آلِهَتَكُمْ وَلَا تَذَرُنَّ وَدًّا وَلَا سُوَاعًا وَلَا يَغُوثًا وَيَعُوقًا وَنَسْرًا Five righteous men, Ibn Abbas said. They used to worship these five righteous men. They used to call onto these five righteous men besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of them used to worship trees. And the evidence for that one is the hadith Abi Waqidin al-Layfi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Abi Waqidin al-Layfi, he said, kharajna ba'a rasulillahi ila Hunayn. We came out with the Prophet sallallahu ila Hunayn. Hunayn is a place close to Taif. Very close to Taif. Qareem min Taif. So we went out with the Messenger sallallahu to Hunayn. وَنَحْنُ حُدَثَا أَحْدٍ بِالْكُفْرِ وَنَحْنُ حُدَثَا أَحْدٍ بِالْكُفْرٍ We were just new to Islam. يعني they were new Muslims. They just came into Islam. وَلِلْمُشْرِكِينَ سِدْرَةٌ يَعْكُفُونَ عِنْدَهَا And the pagans, they had a tree which they used to place their weapons on and they used to look, look for barakah in it. They used to do itikaf. وَيَنُوطُونَ بِهَا أَسْلِحَتَهُمْ There was a tree that they called that anwat. They used to put their weapons on there. They used to put their, uh, their shields on there. And the aim for that was they wanted to get barakah from it before they go to the battle. They get barakah from the tree. And then they go and then they beat their enemies. That's what they believed. Um, so what happened? This tree was called that to Anwat. فَمَرَدْنَا بِسِدْرٍ 
we came by a tree, the cedar tree. They, the Darat Anwar they had was a cedar tree. So these new Muslims, they came by a cedar tree. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, a messenger of Allah, Ij'alana that Anwat. Why don't you make a tree for us like that? Kamalahum that Anwat. Like those companions, I mean, sorry, sorry, like those disbelievers had a tree like that Anwat. They have a tree called that Anwat. Make one for us as well. The messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, uh, and Sahabas, the new Muslim Sahabas, they wanted to place their weapons on the, uh, uh, like the disbelievers were doing it. The Prophet sallallahu he said, Allahu Akbar, great is Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, innaha sunan. The Prophet said, this is the path, the path of the disbelievers. I swear by the soul in which my, I swear by the Lord in which my soul is in his hand. You guys have said that which Banu Israel have said to Musa alayhi salam. That's what you've said. That's what you have said. Make us an ilah the way that they have an ilah. And you have resembled the previous destroyed nations in that statement of yours. But the reason to these companions' action is that they were new to Islam. They were hudata'ahdi They just left kufr. And they just left it in Islam. And so they're excused for not knowing and not having the knowledge in that matter. But if a person studied the religion and is a imam or is a shaykh or is a student of knowledge, that person is not excused for the hadith of Abi Waqidin al-Layfi. It's not an excuse for you. لماذا? لأن حديث, the beginning of hadith, it mentions وَنَحْنُ حُدَثَاءِ أَحْدٍ بِكُفْرٍ We were just new Muslims. And the new Muslims does not know some things that can be considered to be kufr. They may not know it. It's new to Islam. So this is a udur shar'i. It's an excuse shar'i. And that person should be educated like the Prophet educated them والسلام, and informed them that this was an act of shirk. Like in a person who studied the religion, who learned the religion, who studied and has knowledge of the deen, has to be careful. These issues are not light. Matters of kufr and shirk are not light issues. You have to study it every day and learn what is shirk and what are not to avoid them and stay away from them because it's connected to your hereafter. And it can render you as a Muslim. It's a problem. You don't want to get yourself into. So the hadith of Abi Waqidil Layfi is evidence to show that the disbelievers used to also worship trees. They will put their weapons on there. So the Prophet ﷺ referred to that as what? He referred to that as shirk. The Prophet referred to that as shirk And he taught them in a way that was tough. He said, Allahu Akbar, innaha sunan, he said. And this is an education to say, to show that you can say to a person who doesn't act, Allahu Akbar, you can say that. Okay? You can, to show them the magnitude of this action. That's what the Prophet did, alayhi salatu wasalam, that you can. Al-qa'idatul rabi'ah, the fourth qa'idah, and the final qa'idah, which is, anna mushriki zamanina, أَغْلَضُ شِرْكًا مِنَ الْأَوَّلِينَ لِأَنَّ الْأَوَّلِينَ يُشْرِكُونَ فِي الرَّقَائِ وَيُخْلِصُونَ فِي الشِدَّةِ وَمُشْرِكُوا زَمَانِنَا شِرْكُهُمْ دَائِمٌ فِي الرَّقَائِ وَالشِدَّةِ 
والدليل قوله تعالى فإذا ركبوا في الفلك دعوا الله مخلصين له الدين فلما نجاهم إلى البر إذا هم يشركون والله أعلم The author now goes into القاعدة الرابعة The fourth and final قاعدة And that is أن مشركي زماننا The Sheikh says that the mushrikeen of our time now أغلظ الشرك من الأولين The Sheikh's time, he's saying that the shirk of he, the mushrikeen of his time are worse than the mushrikeen of the early times. Yani they are worse than even the mushrikeen at the time of the Messenger The Sheikh is going to explain himself now. Why he believes that. Why does he me- believe that the mushrikeen of his time were worse than the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet Is that the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet they weren't doing shirk every time. They were doing shirk at the time of ease. The times of ease and comfort, they would do shirk. As for the times of hardship, they won't do it. And the evidence to that is, فَإِذَا رَكِبُوا فِي الْفُلْكِ دَعَوُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ فَلَمَّا نَجَّاهُمْ إِلَى الْبَرِّ إِذَا هُمْ يُشْرِكُونَ that when they mount on their riding beast yani, or the boat, when they go on the boat and they're in the middle of the shore, when they go on the, uh, sorry, the boat and they're in the shore, uh, they're in the sea and the tide comes from every direction and they're about to sink and they know they're not going to live. What do they do? They call unto Allah, مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ They call unto Allah with sincerity. Sincerity. Yani, they, they throw their idols out of the boat and they say, oh Allah, save us. Allah Ta'ala mentions And when they come to the shore They associate partners with Allah Ta'ala. Straight away they go back to shirk again But in the ocean They are doing tawheed They do tawheed Oneness in Allah in that act As for the mushrikeen of today What are they doing? The mushrikeen of today They do it Yushrikuna fil rakhai Wa yushrikuna fil shiddah Times of ease and times of hardship is the same for them. They do it both times. They are upon shirk in both situations. They do that. You find them in the middle of the ocean saying, Ya Hussein. They will say, for example, in the middle of the ocean, they will say, Ya Abdul Qadir Madad. Ya Badawiyu Madad. In the middle of the ocean, they, they don't call unto Allah. Who's worse in that situation? They are worse. The Sheikh here only mentioned one way that they're worse. There's actually nine other ways in which it's worse. And in nine different ways in which the pagan, uh, the early pagans are not as bad as the ones today. Let me give you the other ones that the Sheikh didn't mention. So inshallah, if you can write these other ways that the Sheikh Rahimullah didn't mention, so let's mention the first one. The author, rahimahullah, already mentioned it. And the ones, the first reason the author, rahimahullah, mentioned it, which is the early ones, they used to do shirk in only times of ease and not in times of hardship. Where the late, later comers, us, we do sh- our, gener- our time, we're finding those who are doing shirk. Ibn Abdul Wahab mentioned that in his Kitab Qawaid al-Arba'ah, he also mentioned in Kashf al-Shubuhad. 
Um, also, another group of scholars have pointed this out, like Sulaiman ibn Abdullahi and Abdurrahman ibn Hassan and Abdullahi ibn Abba Butayn. Uh, Butayn, he mentioned it, and Sulaiman ibn Sihman, uh, they all mentioned it. The second way in which the early ones were better than these ones, these mushrikeen, is that uh, the early ones كانوا يدعون مع الله خلقا مقربين من الأنبياء والملائكة والأولياء أو يدعون أشجارا وأحجارا ليست عاصية The early ones, they tried to worship righteous people they believed in. They were worshipping prophets, angels, righteous awliya of Allah. They, and all they would worship trees and stones that were not necessarily disobedient to Allah. I mean trees and, and stones and rocks don't disobey Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. That's, they, that, that's what the early people were like. These ones like in, they worship al-fussaqa wal-fujjar. Criminals are their awliya. They consider them to be awliya. Yani people who've left the salah 40 years, he hasn't been praying. He believes in wa'bud rabbaka hatta ya'tiya kaliyaqeen. Worship your Lord until certainty comes to you. So he's left praying for 40 years and he dies. And they say, wali min awliya illa. A man who uh, commits zina with his mother. Yani ilaha dal-had. Haqiqatan. Or he marries his maharim. Maharim. They believe that's a wali min awliya illa. Because they say that you are upon... A dip, uh, you are still in the Sharia. He is upon Haqiqa. You're different. He's on a different world, they say. Fusak and Fujjar are the people they worship. Uh, Ibn Abdul Wahab mentioned that in his kitab, Kashf Shubhat. And also Muhammad Ismail al-San'ani mentions it in his kitab, Tatir al-Atiqad. He mentions that, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala, that they do that. Number three, the third way in which the early ones are better than this ones is أن الأولين يعتقدون أن ما هم عليه مخالف دعوة الأنبياء والرسل. The early ones, like Abu Jahal and all of this, they knew what they, were what they were upon was against the messengers and the prophets, what they were calling to. And they knew that. They knew that what they were upon was different to what Muhammad was calling to. Abu Jahal would never say, my da'wah and the da'wah of Muhammad is the same. Or my way and the way of Nabi Muhammad is the same. They wouldn't. Look at this. أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا إِنَّ هَذَا لَشَيْءٌ عُجَابٌ They said. Does Muhammad make all the gods into one? Does he, like, is he really want us to only worship one god? Wallahi, that's a fascinating thing. They knew that. That that was what the Prophet wanted from them. These ones, what did they do? They claim their shirk. They claim their shirk is in line with the da'wah of the Prophets and the Messengers. That's what they claim. And that point, Abdul Latif ibn Abdul Rahman mentioned it in his refutation on, uh, his refutation on Dawood ibn Jarjis. The fourth way in which the early mushrikeen were better than these ones is that أن المشركين الأولين the early mushrikeen كانوا لا يشركون بالله في شيء من الملك والتصرف الكلي العام that the early mushrikeen they never ever associated partners with Allah in the kingdom and in the general governorship of this universe. They never claimed that benefit and harm comes purely from their idols. No, they didn't believe that. Example. Look what they say when they would go to the Kaaba to do Hajj. They would say, لَبَّيْكَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَكَ لَبَّيْكَ They say, لَبَّيْكَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَكَ إِلَّا شِرْكًا هُوَ لَكَ تَمْلِكُهُ وَمَا مَلَكَ that's what they would say. They would say, Oh Allah, we have come to your call. We have come to do what you've requested from us. 
La sharika laka, you have no partners. Illa shirkan, only a partner. Here laka, this partner is yours. You own him actually. He's partner with you, but you own him. Tamliku wa ma malaka, and he doesn't own you. They know they believe Allah is the one who is the governor and the one who runs everything. The ones today, la, read their works. They believe Abdul Qadir played a role in creating this universe and running this world. They believe that in their books and their works. Qara'u, read it and look at it. They have shirk in al-mulk wa tasarruf al-kulli, al-am. They have shirk in it. This is mentioned by Abdullah ibn Faisal ibn Su'ud rahimahullah. He pointed that one out. Number five, the fifth way in which the earliest mushrikeen are better than the least one, these ones is that أَنَّ كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْمُتَأَخِّرِينَ قَصَدُوا مَعْبُودَاتِ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ عَلَى وَجْهِ الْإِسْتِقْلَالِ أَمَّا الْأَوَّلُونَ فَقَصَدُوا مَعْبُودَاتِهِمْ لِتَقَرُّبِهِمْ إِلَى اللَّهِ فَوَعِنْدَهُمْ شُفَعَاءُ وَوَصَائِطِ The early, the early worshippers, the early ones, when they were worshipping, we already took, what was their reason? Their reason was what? Intercession and nearness. Did we not say that? مَا نَعْبُدُوهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَاءَ مَا نَعْبُدُوهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى That's what their claim was. We were nearness to Allah. Allah says in another ayah, وَيَعْبُدُونَ مَا وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ وَيَقُولُونَ هَأُولَئِشُفَعَ they independently worship, independently worship their ma'budat, independent from Allah. They're not trying to, it's not like a means to Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala. No, 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 no. They intend the things that they are worshipping besides Allah. Ala which istiqlal, in a way of fully relying on this thing, or this individual they're worshipping. Number six. The early mushrikeen, the majority of their shirk was in uluhiyyah. And it was very little in other than that. As for these ones today, These ones today, their shirk is present in uluhiyyah and in rububiyyah and in uluhiyyah. They have shirk in uluhiyyah. They've also have got shirk in rububiyyah. And they also have shirk in al-asma'i wa sifat. You find from these people, for example, one of them who is praising a person who wants to glorify. Look what he says. ما شئت لا ما شاءت الأقدار فحكم فأنت الواحد القحار. That's what he's saying. He says, ماش. He says to him, ما شئت لا ما شاءت الأقدار. This everything is happening based on what you will, not what the qadar willed. فحكم. He's saying to his muawwim, the one he's honouring. فحكم. Judge. فأنت الواحد القحار. You are the one who makes everything happen. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. So that person is talking to a makhluq min al-makhluqin. He's not talking to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. That's not for Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. The seventh one is, the seventh way is that anna al-muta'akhirina, these ones that we see today, who are doing shirk, yaz'umuna, they claim anna qasta al-salihina wa dua'ahum wa tawajju ilayhi min haqqihim wa anna tarkam jafa'un lahum wa izra'an alayhim wa izra'un bihim these ones today who are worshipping the Salihin are the righteous people. They claim that their worshipping of the Salihin is that this is the right of the Salihin. And if we don't worship these Salihin, we are not fulfilling the rights of the Salihin. We are doing Jafa 
and Izara. And we are criminals by not giving the Salihin their rights. Ponder here, my beloved brothers and sisters. The Salihin, we have to do it for them, or, or else we're going against their rights. The early ones didn't believe that. They believed you can if you want to, and if you don't want to, it's up to you. That's what they believed. They didn't believe it was a right of the willy. The eighth way in which they're different is that and المشركين الأولين the early مشركين كانوا مقرين بشركهم The early generation of the مشركين they affirmed their shirk. They referred to their action as shirk. They would call this action as shirk. For example, when Allah Taala talks about them uh, in the Day of Judgment, they will say لو شاء الله ما أشركنا ولا آباؤنا if Allah did not will, we would not have done shirk. They, they affirmed that was shirk. And also in the talbiyah that they used to do, لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ لَبَّيْكَ إِلَّا شِرْكًا هُوَ لَكَ إِلَّا شِرْكًا They called it shirk. They called their action shirk. These ones today, they don't call their action shirk. They call their action tawheed. They call their shirk tawheed. That's what they call it. And they call it mahabba. So the love, they call it. They claim that they're loving the awliya. Um, number eight, number nine is what? The early mushrikeen كانوا يرجون آلهة في قضاء حوائج الدنيا كرد غائب وشفاء مريض ولا يجعلون عدة اليوم الدين لإنكار البعث أو اعتقادهم أن, أن, أن لهم مقاما ينالون به ما يريدون. The early mushrikeen they used to believe from their aliha that they worshipped to only help them in worldly issues. The early ones only used the aliha for worldly issues. And they never ever expected this for an issue of the Day of Judgment. They didn't believe that. Or they didn't use their idols to reject the issue of the resurrection. They didn't believe in that. It was worldly issues. They, whenever they go into them, it was dunya issues they would ask for. These ones today, they ask hawa'iju dunya wal akhirah. They ask the dunya and the hereafter. And this was pointed out by Hamad ibn Nasir ibn Mu'ammarin. The last and final one in which they're different in is the early mushrikeen كانوا يعظمون الله ويعظمون الشعائرة The early mushrikeen they used to venerate Allah and glorify Him. And they used to also honor and glorify the symbols of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They used to. The these ones today, they don't. They don't. The early ones, for example, they used to glorify the concept of al-yaminu billah, swearing by Allah. It meant a lot. Like if they swore by Allah, that's it. They will fulfill that. If someone went into the Kaaba and sought refuge from them, they would give them refuge. They also believed, They also believed that the Kaaba is greater than all of their idols where they're at. The idol houses. And the Kaaba, they believe the Kaaba was better. Today, the ones that you see, they believe the places of where the awliya are buried are better than the places where the, the Kaaba. And if you go to, for example, my country, they believe a particular, particular land or a particular grave, if you go there and you go around that grave seven times, it's better than seven times around the Kaaba, tawaf around the Kaaba. Imagine that. They even believe it is equal to Hajj. 
And they make up rulings for it. So the Shaykh Rahimahullah, when he said that they're worse, they are worse. They are worse than the, the, uh, the, than the, the early ones. The early ones, their shirk was lighter and easier than the shirk of the ones today. Especially the ones who claim Islam. They're worse. Who attribute themselves to Islam. Their shirk is very dangerous. And the Shaykh Rahimullah pointed that out. غِلَضُ شِرْكِ أَهْلِ زَمَانِ الْمُصَنِّفِ فَمَنْ بَعَدَهُ مِنَ الْمُتَاخِرِينَ And things have gone worse now compared to how the Shaykh saw it. It gets worse and worse. The more you travel, the more you see it. The shirk is very bad. Um, I'm going to stop there, inshallah ta'ala. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and Shaytan, and Allah and His Messenger are both free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdi, ashadu wa la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh. We finished, walillah alhamdu wal minna, the book. Um, but I will take the questions from all of you as much, inshallah ta'ala, until 9 o'clock. I'll take all your questions, bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. Any questions that you might have on this kitab, inshallah ta'ala. Al-Qawa'id al-Arba' is finished. We're going to start, bi-idhnillahi al-kareem, next week. The next book, which is, uh, I think, Al-Qawa'id al-Fiqhiyya, I think, by Saudi. I think that's the kitab we're going to do next, bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. Um, so if you have any questions, you can ask, inshallah ta'ala. Okay. Um, uh, the questions are, question number one. So the first question, inshallah ta'ala, that I want to ask is, oh, alhamdulillah, which is the question regarding studying and man-made law. Uh, what's the ruling regarding that? Studying man-made law. So inshallah ta'ala, the people who study man-made law are different types. So inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to go through the types and then give the ruling, inshallah ta'ala. The first one is the w- those who study it, so they can learn its reality. And the aim is to know this man-made law the way it is and to understand its reality and how virtuous and noble the rulings of Allah wa ta'ala is um, and to show the deficiencies that are present in these man-made laws and how they are never going to be any beneficial for the people and save the people. If that person is learning it for that reason, or he's benefiting others on that ground, فَهَذَا لَا حَرَجَ عَلَيْهِ Then there's no harm on that one. There's no harm into that, to that one. Number two, which is the one who studies the law, or he teaches it or he studies it. So he can judge based on it. Or he can aid these man-made laws. He wants to aid them in it. Then this is dangerous and one should not do that and stay away from it. The person should stay away from that. The third type of person is the one who studies these man-made laws. He believes it's permissible. There's nothing wrong with it. He teaches it. And he teaches it on the grounds of believing that these man-made laws are fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Then this is dangerous because it can nullify the person's religion. And there's a consensus amongst the scholars that if he believes that this man-made law is actually even better than the law of Allah or equal to the law of Allah, then this can render his religion and um, it's very dangerous from that perspective. So those are the three categories of people. And some people, they compare the studying of law to magic. Like in studying magic is muharramun lidatihi. It's haram in and within itself. So it's different from that perspective. Like in studying law, it depends on why you're studying it. If you're studying it to benefit others regarding the deficiencies and how weak it is, 
and you want to have an understanding of this evil. And that's why you're studying it. Where the scholars say, عَرَفْتُ شَرَّ لَا لِشَرِّ وَلَكِنْ لِتَوَقِيهِ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَعْرِفِ شَرَّ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَقَعْ فِيهِ Is to know it and to study it. To know this evil that's out there and people are propagating. Then that is fine and there's no problem with that one. Okay? But if you're doing it for the second reason, then it's a major sin. The second reason which is, uh, you want to judge based on it. Or you want to help other people judge on it. Then this is dangerous uh, and it's a major sin. But the third one, which is if the person believes it's halal, and there's nothing wrong with it, uh, the man-made law is fine. We can do man-made law. Rather, the man-made law is actually better because it gets changed very often and it's perfected. That would render a person's Islam. Naam. And the question, Assalamu alaikum, can you explain point eight again mentioned now regarding rights of salihin? So we go back to the um, uh, the notes. What was the eighth one? What can someone remind me what the eighth one was? So the eighth one was the early mushrikeen, they used to affirm in their shirk the that their action was shirk. They would say that which we are doing is considered shirk. It is shirk. They would say that. They would never negate it being called shirk. Whereas these early these ones today, they call their action mahabba. They also call it uh, they also call it tawheed and etc. Assalamu alaikum. If someone lives in a place where majority holds maturidi beliefs, including imams and masjid, is it okay to perform congregational prayer behind those imams? Praying behind those whose bid'ah hasn't reached kufr is permissible. You can pray behind them. As long as their bid'ah didn't reach kufr, disbelief, then you can pray behind them. And the maturidiyya and the sha'ira are not kuffar, they're Muslims. Okay? They are uh, Muslims who would be considered bid'ah mufassaka, not bid'ah mukaffara. And a bid'ah mufassaka means fisq, but it's not bid'ah mukaffara that they leave the fold of Islam. So of course you pray behind them, you can, you can pray behind them. Naam. How can you make a person indulging in shirk, especially the aged, that, they, that calling the awliya is shirk? It's difficult to make them realize that. Yes, it's very difficult. It's hard to convince people that what they've known all their lives is shirk. But it's hard work and dedication and supplication and dua and begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide them. That will finally reach them. And I think inshallah ta'ala, if you look at Ibrahim alayhi salam, the way he spoke to his father and the way he addressed his father, I think you could take a benefit from that inshallah ta'ala. But remember, you just have to come with the hard work and the effort to guide be people. But whether they accept that guidance or not, that's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's Allah who guides and places the truth in the people's hearts. It's not us. We can't guide the people to the truth. We can show them the truth and we can you know, tell them about it. But to place the truth in their hearts and to make them accept it, but make dua for them at night, supplicate to Allah wa ta'ala to allow them to inshallah ta'ala uh, follow the truth and tawheed and be consistent don't give up every opportunity you get bring it up but in a very calm collective way don't get angry also the life of Muhammad Abdul Wahab will show you how he was hated and pushed out and was relegated from city to city town to town rahimahullah ta'ala it wasn't easy that his da'wah reached the way the way it reached today rahimahullah ta'ala
Um, how can you make a person in okay. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Is there, is there any shirk in believing that there are good, bad in every month? From where I come from, from where I come, they say to do sadaqah on certain days and not to do good things like that, like shifting to a new home on certain days without what is the ruling. So these are issues where people have superstitious uh, beliefs. And that is minor shirk. To have these type of beliefs that a particular cloth that you tie to your hand, uh, they can save you. Or a certain day uh, in the month, which is shara'a, no value is being given to it in the religion. You say this certain day, I don't go out, I stay home because it's a very bad day. If I go out this day, bad things only happen on this day. These are things that are not permissible in the religion. Some people, when they come out of their houses, if they see a black crow standing in front of the door or something black, if they see anything black, they will uh, not go out. They'll stay in the house and say, this is not the right day for me to go out. Things like that. So one should stay away from that. And Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad al-Abdurrahab, deals with that in great details in his Kitab al-Tawheed. Does going to psychologists to discuss matters due to depression and act of disobedience to Allah as we are depressed to open our hearts to Allah and cry only to Him? And it psychologists, it depends on what ty type of psychologist we're talking about. If they're non-Muslims, then what guidance will they give you? And it, would you go to the disbelievers for help that you know you can find in the religion, uh, guidance in the deen you can find? So go to a psychologist, Muslim psychologist. Find a Muslim psychologist and sit with him who not only would help you in how you should run your life in this world and how you should be in your routine, but would also help you with how to uphold your religion. Don't go to a person whose whole perspective is worldly issues. And when you go to the non-Muslim, he only looks at everything from the dunya perspective. Only. And Akhirah doesn't have anything for him. So his advice is going to be very restricted. And subhanAllah, statistics proves that the depression and anxieties and everything is higher in Western countries than it is in Muslim countries. There's a reason to that. It's because they're materialistic. They are materialistic. There's one ayah that summarizes the concept of happiness. مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنْ فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Anyone who does righteous action. مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى مَانَ وَمِنْ وَمَنْ now, some people think when we say Allah will give you a good life, does that mean I'm never going to struggle in life? No, that doesn't mean it. What it means is that Allah is always going to give contentment to your heart. Even if everything outside to you is not working in good for you, it just doesn't get into your heart. You just feel content. Tumatnina and sakina and waqar is in your heart. You feel content and happy inside. Whereas, Outside, it may not be working right. Disobedience brings heart, heart depression. I've never met, in my humble opinion, and my experience in life, I have never ever met someone who is who's depressed, who is upholding his religion. I've never yet seen that. That he's upholding his deen, and he's depressed. I've not yet met that person. Every person I've met who told me I'm depressed, 
I suffer from depression, I have found that they go a, they do one of two things. Either they are indulged into major sins or they are consistent upon minor sins. Both of which bring depression. Now. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Could you share some experience of the kind of question that we would be attempting for the test or completion of Qawaid or Arba? And the questions, uh, if I help you guys with it, is going to be everything I said. But everything I said would be, or yani, majority of what I said will be coming into the exam. And the questions are very easy, they're multiple choices. Five are going to be multiple choices, and five are going to be direct questions. Inshallah ta'ala. As for how is it going to be done and in what way is it going to be done, all of that inshallah ta'ala, Kalima will kareem run you through it and send you all emails, inshallah ta'ala. But besides the exam, I think all of you should really, really uh, take this concept of Tawheed and studying this book very serious. And in the two previous books that we took, Talatatul Usul and Qawa'idul Arba'a, I would encourage all of you to try to memorize it. Look at the Shaykh everywhere he says, ta'ala. These are ayats that you need. These are hadith that you need. Assalamu uh, alaikum Shaykh. Could you please teach us how to refute uh, and break down with evidence the modern ideologies like atheism, secularism, and being progressive, etc., in a systematic way? Ali that inshallah ta'ala when it's taught, it's taught in more in the more advanced books of I'tiqad. They are taught in more of the in advanced books of I'tiqad. Uh, a lot of those come into the books of like uh, the Kitab Aqidat uh, al-Tahawiyah by Al Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah. Kutubs like Al Hamawiyah and Tadmuriya. And books bigger than that and greater than that. Inshallah ta'ala, I will do ta'ala a series on atheism and secularism and progressive Muslims, liberal Muslims and their arguments against Islam, freedom and its reality in Islam. All of those inshallah ta'ala, I will do a series on it if Allah ta'ala gives me a life to live how can we respond to a person who says that all religions are worshipping the same God in different ways and called to being good to others? How can we make them understand that it, is th that it does matter? All religions are worshipping the same God is a false argument. And the whole argument in Tawheed is that they are worshipping idols. They are worshipping their desires. They are worshipping... Um, a statue, they're worshipping, all of them are. And the only people who worship Allah alone is the Muslims. That's the, and it's the basic thing that you learn from Al-Islam. They are not worshipping. These are worshipping Isa ibn Maryam. This one's worshipping Buddha. This one's worshipping this. This one's worshipping that. This one's worshipping his desires. And everyone's worshipping different things. Like the Muslim, the mu'min is worshipping Allah alone. Also, uh, to be good to others, that's a fundamental point that Islam propagates. husna. Say good to the people. Be good towards the people. Um, and Islam propagates well manners, good to have a good manner, and the way you deal with others, respecting others in the sense, any 
having يعني, good to, being good towards others and being good towards others Islam propagated that and we see how the Prophet was with his staunch enemies in Mecca and in Medina how he dealt with them والسلام, how calm and collective he was والسلام. so that's something we're not disagreeing but saying that these people are upon misguidance and that this is the straight path and this is the path that please, is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is not being disrespectful and it is not being intolerant. Is it wrong to lose patience and feel pain related to worldly matters or people around and get depressed by but? Is it wrong to lose patience and feel pain related to worldly matters or people around and get depressed but at most of the time you hold your patience and believe that Allah will reward you in the hereafter. Are you stealing if you lose patience at certain times in your life and feel depressed? Feeling down and hurt is not necessarily feeling that feeling down and hurt does not necessarily mean that you're not patient. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, Muhammad, we know what these people are saying is hurting your heart. We know that. That it's hurting you. And that this is causing you pain. We know that, Muhammad. So this shows that what people say and what people do to you will hurt you. That's human uh, feelings. With that being said, though, patient means you restrain yourself when the pain hits you. You hold yourself together. You don't say that which angers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't say it. You, you watch your speech and what you speak next. I don't know if... Being hurt by what someone says is necessarily depression. Depression is a very strong word. And it may be feeling sad is different than from feeling depressed. You can feel depressed and you can feel sad. And some people feel very sad. That has stop. So you, some of them, some people, they feel sad and they call it depression. So depression, inshallah ta'ala, is a very tough term to use. But a Muslim can feel sad. And he can feel sad about something that happened to him. And the Prophet ﷺ, he felt sad the year Khadija died and Abu Talib died. And you can feel sad because of that. If you lose a loved one, you can feel sad because of that. If pain and problems come to you, you become sad because of it. It's, it's natural human feeling. And we were taught particular du'as to make when we are sad. And when we're feeling low. Um, are there any colors prohibited by the Prophet to wear? I heard that the red is haram. Yes, red wearing it. Pure, f full red is prohibited for, for someone to wear. Can you suggest good books in English in bringing up children in Muslim environment? I don't know about the English language. Uh, books that are translated in English language. I'm not very acquainted with that. But what I could suggest is books in Arabic, like Tuhfatu al-Mawdud, Fi Ahkam al-Mawlud, written by Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah. And books like that I would suggest. But I wouldn't I, I, I can't, I don't know English books uh, uh, to suggest. Assalamu alaikum, may Allah preserve you. Is the term tashbih and tajseem synonyms, or are they different in meaning in regards to asma' wa sifat? The name Tashbih just means making Allah similar to His creation. Making 
Allah is similar to his creation in any way, shape or form. So tashbih is very general. Tajseem on the other hand, it, it means when you're an anthropomorphist, it means that you make a body for Allah. You say Allah has a body. Tajseem means you're giving Allah a jism, a body. And it's different from tashbih. Tashbih means Allah is like his creation. Then tajseem is a type of tashbih. But not every, yani every person who says Allah Taala has a body, yani like the, the body of the creation, or he says Allah has a body. The some scholars they mention that to fall under tashbih, and some scholars, which is the majority of scholars, they mention that this is not aslan. You can't affirm it nor negate it. I mean, no one knows that. Affirming it needs evidence, and negating it also needs evidence. Jism, to firm, for, firm that for Allah. So we don't affirm it nor negate it. Like in tashbih, we negate it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Re- it means resembling Allah with the creation. Ustad, may Allah preserve you and honor you in this world and hereafter. Allahumma ameen. Can we say that the basmala in the washroom for before wudu without being loud? Or should it be completely avoided? No, you can say it, but don't say it too loud. You can say it, but don't say it too loud. Is it okay to have an individual who has the abundant beliefs to read the nikah for a prospective couple? It's best to avoid it. Find someone of the sunnah who can do the nikah for you. My mention is that the first category of studying man-made law that you mention, inshallah, sometimes while writing assignments or asked to give opinions regarding law, is it permissible to discuss or debate regarding it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times you can actually prove your, some of the articles. I mean, I know a group of brothers who studied law. And when they uh, study it, they, especially in university, they question it. They, they tackle it. And in academic research, you're allowed to reject things. You don't have to accept it. They want to hear your contention and your, your, um, your reasoning behind why, your reasoning behind why you don't agree with this. So you can prove your point against a particular article that was passed. And say this article in this law is very contradicting. And you give examples for it, that's fine. In, in, in university research, it's dissertations, that's a fine matter. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, next question. How can you tell a person listening to modern da'wah callers? I'm not sure whether I am supposed to Take names is to take names is wrong. So avoid mentioning names. Anyone who calls to the Quran and the Sunnah is always going to be clear from a person who's calling to himself and his ideology. People who don't quote the Quran a lot, don't quote the hadith of the a lot, give you their own opinions by saying I think, I believe, I and those type of people you should avoid, inshallah. Ustad, can you tell me the ayah you mentioned regarding Allah telling Prophet that he knows these matters? Are making you sad and hurt. The ayah is It's at the last ending of Surah Al-Hijr, the ending. It's between ayah 95 to ayah 98. It's one of those ayats, 95 to 98. And I think it's 97. Just double check it, inshallah. I think it's ayah 97. Look it up, inshallah. Uh, so if we can say Bismillah in the washroom for wudu, so can we say the dua for wearing clothes also in the washroom? 
يعني make sure you don't say it loud. That's just the point. Point. You can make your dua without uh, making it loud. Don't say it very loud. Uh, Ustad, is it allowed for a woman to give dawah on YouTube with niqab and talking about matters for both men and women? Um, a woman should not come on YouTube. A woman should not come on YouTube. Her videos should not come on YouTube, and her voice should not also come onto YouTube. Neither of the two should. A woman should stay away from YouTube and she should stay away from uh, even reporting onto YouTube. Well, her voice, Hata. There is enough men that can fulfill that. Um, women, on the other hand, they have a better role that they can take. A better role. A more vital role. A greater role. And that is to nurture the next generation of children. And wallah, if they play that role, they can nurture the greatest scholars of Islam. Um, the women should not leave that area that they can prosper and that is better for them and greater for them and go to paths that their benefits are very little. You all can see what happens in the, uh, the da'wah scene where people would speak against one person, speaks against another person and men tolerate that. Any one person refuting another person, mentioning his faults and mistakes. Imagine if that's a woman who's coming on YouTube and people are speaking about her. How is she going to feel as a mother at home, you know, with her children? Speak, people are speaking about her online. It puts her in state, how will that make her children? And how will that make her husband? And it's not, it's not like, so the, the world out there is a bit hard and tough and cold. And... Women deserve to be protected and taken care of from those harms. The people out there online, their aim and objective is not really to benefit. They love to watch the opposite gender talk. They love to watch her speak and her voice. And this causes sharr and fasad. So she's trying to guide many people to Islam and give da'wah to many people in Islam. But wallahi... Um, she might bring a lot of harm whilst wanting to bring khayr. She might be sincere in what she wants to do, but she harms more than she benefits. Sisters can benefit each other behind closed doors. They can have private Zoom classes. She can teach the, the women. She can teach women in masajids where it's only women only. She can sit there and teach. She can have halaqat. Like our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha used to do. That's what I would encourage. Women are needed to have private conferences to teach each other books. It's needed without having come in online and showing themselves. Women need to do durus at home for their own children and nurture their children upon Quran and the Sunnah and make them memorize. These are the areas that they're needed. Uh, what is the evidence of saying supplications in the washroom without raising one's voice? The time of the Prophet ﷺ, there wasn't a sectioned area of call of nature. And it wasn't necessarily the case like that for the Prophet. They would go out there and do it in the, in the open. You see? And the person, if he walked at that area where people did their call of nature, that doesn't mean he can't remember Allah in that area. It doesn't mean that. So what I mean by that is the asal is that you can remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every situation except that which is 
stated to be haram for you to do, to, to mention Allah. And scholars have mentioned that the reason for not mentioning Allah's name loud is what the prohibition is referring to. And you don't say Allah's name loud, keep your volume low. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Ustad. May Allah preserve you. I have heard hadith about dyeing one's hair when it becomes grey, and also hadith about the virtual reward of those who have grey hair. So is it sunnah to dye the hair or is it, is it to keep it grey colour itself? The colouring of the hair is a sunnah that came from the Prophet he, he dyed his hair and he also left his hair white at, at times. So to do both is fine. But the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded the father of Abu Bakr, the Prophet commanded him, he said, الشيبة, the Prophet said, الشيبة, change the white, the white, the grey beard, change it. Uh, the Prophet then said, stay away from black. That's what the Prophet said to him. So, it's good also to colour your beard, inshallah ta'ala. So sometimes do this and sometimes do that. Sometimes do this and sometimes do that. Last and final question, inshallah ta'ala, is So is it wrong if we watch a cookery show or get a recipe from a woman who has her vlog on YouTube? Is it haram on our part to watch it and take from it the information? So there's a difference between a woman who is, her, her, she herself is coming online. She takes the sin without a doubt for coming on YouTube and doing these things in public, okay? But um, if a woman is online and she's fully covered, for another woman to watch her, there's nothing wrong with it. If an, a woman is covered, she's wearing the hijab, uh, the Islamic hijab, then for a woman, it's not, a, it's not a prohibited for her to watch it. But it's prohibited from the men to watch it if she's not wearing uh, hijab for them to look at her and observe and gaze at her. Rather, the men are also commanded to even lower their gaze, whether she's wearing a hijab or not. The man should lower his gaze and look down. As a combination of the man lowering his gaze and the woman fully covering herself. But for a woman to watch another woman who's not wearing a hijab, it was also permissible for her, as long as her, the aura, the great auras are not showing. But there's another issue here, which is that these people, you tend to endorse them. If you watch their videos a lot, you encourage them. They want the views. And the more views they get, the more videos they will produce. And the less views that they get, they stop doing the videos. So I think based on that, I'm, I'm sure there are channels where you can watch videos where people's faces and bodies are not seen. And all you just see is the dishes being uh, done. Rather, there's even websites I know of whenever I try to cook something. I go online and I look at it. And those websites are not videos. It's just they tell you the measurements, the ingredients that you need to get, how you mix it. If you want, you can watch the video. And even when you do watch the video, you never see the person. It's just a dish. They show you how to... The camera is on the dish and the pot and the pan and how they've put the, the they've mixed it mixed it all together so i think there's always a way around it if you are trying to keep yourself safe in a very scary world that we're living in um, i'm really sorry inshallah ta'ala for um, coming late today 
I apologize. The class should have started at 7 o'clock, inshallah ta'ala. And so next week it will start again sharply on, at 7 o'clock, bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. Not late again, uh, bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. The second thing, inshallah ta'ala, is um, uh, barakallahu feekum for listening. And if I've offended anyone, I've said anything bad to anyone, forgive me and forget, inshallah ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum. May Allah honor you all and preserve you and give you the best in this world and hereafter. I also want to give a final announcement, which is today we have our Friday night reflection. And inshallah ta'ala, as you all are aware, the death of a great Imam of our time passed away. Al-Allamah Muhammad Ali Adim Ethiopi, rahimahullah, rahmatan wasi'a. A man I had the privilege and the honor of meeting. A man who I believe is an imam in many sciences in the religion. An imam in the Arabic language. When I say imam, I mean he was prolific in that science. You could follow him in that. يعني, the Sheikh had tarjihat in nahu and views and opinions and ijtihadat, independent reading, reasonings that he did in uh, nahu. He was an imam in sarf. He was an imam in usul al-fiqh. He was an imam in hadith. He was an imam in ilal al-hadith. He was an imam in fiqh. He was an imam in tafsir. يعني قل فن من فنون الشريعة إلا محمد علي علي آدم الإثيوبي had written something in it. رحمه الله تعالى. He's the only person I can say personally reminds me of the early scholars of hadith in the sense where they sat down and went to the Ummahatul Kutub. The Shaykh Rahimahullah has a 44 volume book in the Sharah of Sunan Nisa'i. He called it the Khiratul Uqba, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. 44 volumes. He has a Sharah on Sunan Nisa'i. He has a, sorry, Sharah on Sunani, uh, Sharah on Sahih Muslim. He has a Sharah on Sunan Ibn Majah. The Shaykh has, he's got nadms, poetry that he's written. He has Sharah on Jam'ul Jawami' by, no sorry, Kawqab al-Sati' by Jalaluddin al-Suyuti, he has a sharah on it. The Shaykh has a sharah on Al-Fiyat al-Suyuti. He's an Imam. Haqqan, he's an Imam. A man like that buried today and passed away and left us this world. It's something very painful for every single person who's passionate about Islam and passionate about, about knowledge. So inshallah ta'ala, in today's Friday night reflection, my aim and objective is to talk about two things. The first thing is, the death of the scholars is irreplaceable. And the place that they walk out of, the position they move from, is always left empty. That's the first part of the topic that I'm going to speak about tonight's Friday night reflection. The second thing, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to talk about in tonight's Friday night reflection is, a short biography of this great Imam, Al-Allama Muhammad Ali Adim Al-Ethiopi, Rahimahullahu Rahmatan Wasi'ah. I'm going to talk about some of his struggles, how this man became who he became, and how he ended up sitting in the haram uh, to teach uh, a man who came from Ethiopia, who ended up being a teacher of many of the ulama that we look up to today. Like Sheikh Muqbil, Ibn Hadi Al-Wadi'i was a student of Sheikh Muhammad Ali Adim in Ethiopia. And rather Sheikh Muqbil said about him that he is the Ibn Hajar of this time. 
So inshallah ta'ala, I encourage you all to come and listen to this night, Friday night reflection to benefit. La'allah, there might be possibility that one of you might, inshallah ta'ala, either become or give birth to another imam in Islam that might be idhnillahi al-kareem, serve this religion. Uh, so I hope to see you all, inshallah ta'ala, today. Uh, today's night, Friday night reflection. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullahu khairah.